Hey everybody, it's Rajesh here. And Tane here. Welcome to our podcast, Baskets of Knowledge, Chats with a Difference. In our podcast, we invite guests from around the country and around the world to talk about how they got to where they are at the moment. It's about a journey, it's about an experience, it's about their life. Karakulti everybody, welcome to another episode of Baskets of Knowledge. For our regular listeners, thank you for listening in. For our new listeners, welcome to this episode. Um, and hopefully you become a fan of what we do here with Baskets of Knowledge. Um, Tony, nice to see you. We've missed you over the last few weeks. How have you been? Yeah, I've been good. It's been a very big transitioning period, um, finishing up research and then getting into my own, uh, getting into summer work up here in Blenheim, working on the vineyard. So it's been a big transition over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, what any, any big learnings for us to share over the last, especially because it's a big, a big change for you, just finishing one part of yeah. your Yeah, I think for me, probably the last couple of weeks, I guess, and probably something that's been reflective through the whole year is just how important your health is. You know, I've had a few health issues um, throughout the years, uh, throughout the year, you know, either being injuries or illness, and it's it just stops your daily routine, your daily life-to-life activities, and you know, I think sometimes we, you know, we take it for granted when we have good health because we just, you know, that's how we live most of the time. But I think this year realizing, you know, just how important it is to everything else. And as soon as your health goes, it pretty much stops all your other avenues. So I guess for me, just reflecting on how you can look after that health and finding ways, I guess, to stay motivated, even if there are, you know, things like injuries that are, you know, sometimes out of your control, how can you stay motivated or at least engaged to the that you can try and keep your health up in other ways. Yeah, that's so true. You know, when I when I um, do a lot of my reading and my coaching, and we always talk about what is the one thing that you, if you want to be successful in thing in your life, it's not about the reading, it's not about meditating and all that kind of stuff. It's just about your your personal, your physical health. If you can maintain your physical health, then everything else comes into play. And I think a lot of us forget about physical health, not because we do it actively, but just because no one has taught us this is an important part of our body. Of our, of our lifestyles and also the other thing is it's, it's never too late to start you know some people go oh i've missed a boat now you can start whenever you want and it doesn't mean you've got to be a superstar athlete just got to be moving just a little bit but hey i'm not a physician i'm not a, a coach uh i'm a being coach but i just think any any movement is good movement if you can do it there um as always tiny myself can keep babbling on and on and on but it's not about tiny myself um for our listeners out there um, Tanya and myself, we scour the country, we scour the world to find people that we think were amazing. And as we say every week, we think everyone is amazing. We'd love to have you all on here, um, but we can't. But this week, we are really privileged, very honored, and very lucky to have um, a superstar guest on our podcast. Welcome to our podcast, Kaita. Kia ora. Thank you for having me. Kia ora, Kaita. Um, for our listeners who know nothing about you, do you just want to tell them a little bit about who you are at this moment, and then we'll get into your, your story? Yeah, uh, kia ora koutou, ko Fujisan te maunga e rinei takanaka, ko Lotus Awe Mahe nei akuma harahara, uh, no poneke ahau, no hapane hame ne oku tipuna, uh, ko tenei takumihi ki nga tangata whenua, o te rohe nei kamihi o ke au ki nga tohu. Uh, kia ora, my name is Kaita, um, I was born in Wellington and, you know, grew up in this beautiful city, Poneke. I am about 18 years old and I've just finished high school a few days ago. So going into a pretty exciting stage of my life. But yeah, what am I doing? I guess I'm interested in many sorts of things. I'd love to get involved. So yeah, 
whether it be like politics, um, climate, photography, cooking, quite a variety of stuff, I guess. So yeah, it's a bit about myself. Awesome, beautiful. And what, what a great, great um, paradox we have right here. We have Tane finishing off his honours degree and you finishing off school. Um, you know, two, two similar but very different experiences and chapters of your lives at the moment there. Um, so what does it feel like just about to finish school? And as well, you forgot to mention in your about who you are, that you're also the head boy of your school this year. So um, this was about finishing school, but also being a, being head boy in a, at mm. school at the same time. What, is that, what has that been like for you? Finishing school. I mean, for the last few months, I've I've wanted it to speed up um, and, you know, be over. I don't think that's because I'm bored of school, but it's just that I've been exposed to so many things outside of school and I'm really excited to kind of, I'm more excited to go into the bigger world than to sit in a classroom and learn as as enticing as that may be. But yeah, um, school's been awesome for the last five years. Um, this year I've had the privilege to be head boy, which is amazing. Um, I think I've learned a lot in terms of leadership and um, how to lead as a person and, and as an individual. I think it came a lot from my principal this year and it's something that's changed the way I look at quite a few things, but I think one word that will describe kind of my leadership journey this year's head boy is probably servant leadership. And, you know, that's like leading from the bottom and supporting people instead of coming from the top down kind of traditional power kind of hierarchy. So, yeah. Beautiful. And how did you come across that there? Was that from your principal, as you said, or was it something that's always been instilled in you as you have been a young person growing up? Um, I think it's, it's honestly probably been a lot of my principal. He's yeah. a very good influence in my life. But um, I just think it's as any other person, it just goes to show. I mean, it, when I came to school at year nine, I was a totally different person to what I am now. I think I was completely terrified of public speaking, but, um, you know, I just kept doing it. And now I can speak in front of massive crowds. So from year nine to year 13, just a big transformation, just um, quite a lot. And also like the way, you know, you think in your brain, um, not the motivational stuff but you know the self the kind of the parts in your life where you reflect on yourself it's kind of those moments I've learned to kind of harness and develop as whereas year nine I'd be a bit more naive you would say as any year nine would be but yeah totally, totally. I mean you know growth happens over time you know and it's all those people along the way that help you with your growth you know whether it's your principal mm. whether it's a friend whether it's a teacher whether it's someone that's passing by this this growth that happens but the growth happens only when you choose to accept the growth. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of us have all these amazing influences around us, but we choose not to listen to them. So yes, your principle has been important in your life, but you've taken on the, the learning. So, you know, all credit to you as well, Dick. Um, Kaita, um, I'm just going to touch on Hit Boy for one more time and then we're going we're gonna to skip past that there. What is it like for you when you were announced as being Hit Boy of Tower College? You know, um, at that moment, there is pretty remember for a lot of people when they when they apply for something or they get rewarded for something what is that like for you when you when your name was read out oh it's a good question i guess i think i was i was quite excited to be frank just um i was excited for the year ahead and we're already thinking of all the things you know we could do um all the changes we could make and I think that was the most distracting part. I think that was good, but in a sense, 
I don't know, when you, I've been wanting to get head boy for a long time, from year nine, you know, I saw the head boys and they're always such a good influence, um, amazing speakers, um, very kind to me, so I knew I wanted to be that person for someone else, so, you know, it was a kind of a goal from mine from year nine, just to become head boy, and then when I got it, I guess it's the same as when I've achieved other goals in my life, it's, there's no, you know, feeling of, it's not like the, you're on top of a mountain in a sense, but it seems pretty ordinary. I don't know. I think that highlights more of the journey getting there or the journey afterwards or what you do. Yeah. So didn't feel too much, but yeah, very rewarding throughout the year and the journey towards getting the position. I love that. I think that's, I think that's a learning right there. You know, we, when we have our goals, we always get, we get to a goal and everyone goes, cool. How do you feel right now? Actually, this is just part of my journey. You know, mm. um, in, li- in life, we have these people correctly incorrectly we have these goals that we need to achieve by external forces and when you get the like, all right cool now what you know and it's important just to put it into perspective very cool i've got this goal but what do i do with it that's the important thing as opposed mm-hmm. to the actual title um as you said just before you have done some lots of things out of the classroom i'm going to touch on one i think that's the most recent one would be your your blake experience talk, talk, let's talk about that there your your, your journey with, with with the blake foundation the blake trust what is that like for you and how did you get into, into that there that was amazing. So I think it was probably about um, at the start of year applications came out and it's for Blake. So if you didn't know, Blake is run by Sir Peter Blake Foundation and he was the amazing sailor who went all over the world um, and he set up this trust and this foundation and they run a one week camp, which is Blake Inspire and that ran through April this year. So I was privileged enough to be accepted onto that course and it was one week with some awesome people, you know, passionate about the environment, passionate about science, passionate about uh, policy making, all sorts of things. And we got together and we did some pretty cool activities. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. And um, what made you apply for it? I know you're you're a national leader, but you know, you have an application form, you don't have to do it, you want okay for whatever. It's another form. Why why did you want to do it? Um I think it wasn't so much I know that any experience would be good. But for me, it's kind of just like applying for everything I can, because I know I think there are very few things that I would enjoy, especially if it's a week out, you know, in Auckland, exploring the bush or on a boat. But um, there are very few things that I think I won't enjoy if I sign up for. So it's more kind of just giving everything a go that really kind of pushed me to sign up. Beautiful. And I love that because, you know, you the worst thing that happens is say no to you. Okay, cool. I call this, but you've got to apply, right? You've got to apply. Yeah. And I also noticed that um, when I was reading, obviously I did some research about you before I jump on, one of your goals, we mentioned goals earlier on, was to be a TEDx speaker and you made that goal become a reality this year or when you did it. What is, what is that like for you? And first of all, what is the motivation to do the, to do the TED Talk? And secondly, we'll talk about the, um, the topic as well, which is really interesting. Mm. I think... Uh, a lot of kind of going for your goals and kind of reaching for your goals for me is about initiative and working hard. Um, I'm not necessarily in a believe in like, you know, you'll set your goal and you'll get your goal. That's not something I believe in, but I think that if you put a lot of hard work into what you want, um, you will get it. And I think one of those things this year was TEDx, as you said. Um, at the start of the year, I knew one of my friends, um, his name's Nate Wilburn. Um, he did a TEDx talk on nature and he, that was done in Nelson and that was I think when he was about 14 or something so very very young but it was very inspiring 
Um, he's also one of the people who went on Blake with me. But yeah, so very inspiring and I knew it was something I wanted to do. So I guess I just um, reached out and I, it was a very long application process, but I think it was a lot of perseverance and hard work and I knew I wanted it. So it was awesome when I got the chance to speak. And I think I've said this to many people, but you don't get many chances where you get to speak about anything you want on such a big scale and just, you know, be able to share your ideas on anything you could ever wish for um and impact lots of people so yeah i think it was okay. probably one of the highlights of this year okay fantastic you know um but also apart from the getting on the topic you spoke about was really really interesting do you want to tell us about the what motivation the topic there that you spoke about um and how, why is that an important thing to you and for others mm. to listen to as well um so my topic was kind of recognizing the role of indigenous knowledge in science and I think it came through an intersection of my interests and my passion so one of my big passion is uh, science and that's something I find you know super interesting subjects I've taken in school but also extracurricular with stuff like um science fair so I'm really cool um I've always been interested in how the world works so I guess that's what brought me to science and then the other half is kind of indigenous knowledge and I feel like that's my commitment to the treaty in a sense, but also um, my commitment to making Aotearoa a better place. So I love doing speech competitions like Race Unity, which um, look at race relations within Aotearoa. And it's always been a passion of mine to kind of, you know, explore the justice route as well. So um, recognizing indigenous knowledge and its importance and significance and then recognizing how it fits into science was something which um, I was always interested in but especially something I wanted to talk about because, you know, it can be quite traditional and uh, I guess clinical in a sense in the science sector. So um, recognizing how indigenous knowledge can help um, inform us to make better decisions in a way. Yeah, and it's fantastic. And given with your research, what, what do you want to share some of those indigenous resources that you think might be useful for us to learn about? Yeah, um, what ones are perhaps best? I think um, perhaps this is better told through a story, but maybe well, about story time. We love a good story, exactly. Yeah. Um, three months ago, I went down to this was part of my speech. So, um, are you of Zealandia? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So they have an awesome kind of youth ambassador group, and they took us for a walk, and we went down the Komototo stream, which is a stream which is in Wellington, but surprisingly, it's actually been like culverted and buried under the ground. So it's a full stream. It's got crayfish, it's got eels, it's got bullyfish, so all this wildlife, but it's been piped up and it's been put in pipes and it's, you know, buried underneath the ground and it runs from the terrace and it comes down the um, alley with the spinning top right under, I think it's Midland Park and then right out to the harbour and comes out by the Kina sculptures. So, you know, there's a full flowing hour underneath the city and no one really realises. And the shocking thing is if you walk along the stream, you can see stormwater drains and, you know, all the dust and all the particles and all the pollution just runs straight into the same pipe that the river runs through. So obviously not a very good thing happening, um, but we know that there's a lot of wildlife down there and it's still surviving, you know, despite how we're treating it. And um, so we did a walk with this ambassador group and they showed us the route of the stream. 
and it's almost I think that's that what's uh, that's what sparked the idea and that's what kind of made me want to talk about indigenous knowledge and science and I guess the whole idea um was not perhaps that indigenous knowledge is you know more complex than science but that it's um useful in its own way I think we can't deny that in science you know science western science provides us with technicalities and you know specific instruments which let us monitor things and it's helped us a lot but we also got to remember that it doesn't um kind of give human-like qualities to what we're studying and so the whole idea was um through the story of kind of you know caring for something that we can't see um caring for life you know wherever that may be and it's kind of just using indigenous knowledge to humanize and recognize that you know life is life we must care about the land so it's kind of revolved around the story with the uh, awa uh, the kumototo stream which not too many people know about in wellington sadly but yeah so all about the stream and um kind of not looking at it as um you know like a polyvinyl chloride pipe with h2o running through it you know it's a living breathing part of our land that we must take care of I think what's important there is that um, we all look around things. Nature's all around us, you know, it's all around us. But unfortunately, when it's out of sight, it's out of mind, people don't think about it. And only when things get really bad that you go, oh, what about nature? You know, and we see that in the world at the moment with um, climate change and the weather patterns changing and the fires and, you know, the weather just going ridiculously crazy. But it's always been in front of us. It's always been there, but we've just chosen not to see it. It's been hidden from us you know, through no fault of anybody. So um, it's really awesome that you have spoken about this, but also the fact that it's got a link to indigenous culture as well, because, you know, um, you know, when we think about indigenous um, living in New Zealand, we just think about Maori culture, right? But every single country in the world has got an indigenous population that has been there for a long, long time. And, you know, and I think it's really important for us to understand that indigenous doesn't mean one particular nation, it means every nation and their people or the peoples, you know, whatever they are, wherever they come from. And it's very easy to forget that. Um, and, you know, rightly or wrongly, um, it's time to probably acknowledge and change that um, through whatever way. And one, talking about change, um, one of the other things that you're involved in, Kaito, we're just jumping all over the place here, um, with change is mm. um, photography. You know, you, photography is your jam. And, you know, your, your one of your articles with um, Creative Media recently was about being a uh, a photographer that takes photo photos in um, activism. Then talk about that and how you got involved in that whole space there. Yeah, um, I think it kind of goes back to one of my key values, which is you know just giving everything a try. Um, yeah. using my initiative to get involved. That's one message in my school that's um sat with me for a long time. Get involved, just you know, do everything you can. And um, photography is one of the ways I try help uh, co-papa, various co-papa in Porneke. So for example, yeah. the School Strike for Climate, which was an awesome initiative. And I got involved with them and um, was privileged enough to take photos for them in the protest, which is, um, I guess in a way, a way uh, I see myself amplifying their cause and supporting them, but also a way where I can enjoy myself and um, develop a hobby as well. And what it's like for you though, because you know, in those in those protests, they you know, whatever, whatever protest activism, you know, whether you're you're right, they're capturing, capturing the raw reality of, of young of people doing their thing. What is it like for you when you take the photo, go back home, check it on your computer and you develop it? What 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 does it do for you when you see the raw reality of hum of humanity? 
I think in a sense, um, it's quite beautiful. I realize, you know, these are young people who are really passionate about what they're doing. Um, and they're giving their all and, you know, they're putting all their effort into this co-papa. And I think it's to be able to capture that as a privilege. Um, I try to do my best, you know, through, you know, through photography, the way you do it, get down low, get different angles, um, editing lots of, I try to do a lot of kind of street style edit, street photography. So black and white, just to really show the emotion. Um, yeah. but yeah, I try my best to portray the amount of effort that has gone into organizing these protests. And I guess the, the worry that many of these rangatahi have, um, concerning the climate and how it's changing at the moment. That's beautiful. You know, if you haven't seen, um, the article, I strongly recommend having a look at it because your photos are pretty striking. So yeah, thanks for sharing that there. But talking Thank about you. sharing as well, over the last few weeks, we've had Lola Fisher, we've had Arthi, we've had Rashida. Um, and, it's, and a strong theme that's come across is how rangatahi across New Zealand are now not afraid to use their voices in whatever whatever sphere. What is that like for you as a as a young person in the sphere here, being active, seeing the the groundswell, or not even the groundswell, just the um, the impact that young people, young rangatahi in New Zealand are having, putting out their voices? Because this is this is not something that's happened for a very long time. It's 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 been in the background, but now with people like yourself, with Nate, with Lola, with Create Had Happy Media, it's changing the landscape a little bit. What does that make you feel as a young person? I think it's amazing. Yeah. I think it's good that um you feel empowered to make change or to raise their voice, which is yeah. always good. Um I feel that people think even though their voices may not be as valued that they you know feel as they have the right to speak up which is the most important thing yeah and what is it and also the other thing and apart from that there is not just speaking speaking up it's also um you are now meeting with uh people that have influence you know um the mayor the prime minister people like that what is that like for you for you now in the same room as people that actually can make decisions and hearing and building your voices being heard as opposed to tick boxes, hopefully. Yeah, that's a good point. I think one of the biggest things, you know, coming face to face with people who are making the big decisions is realizing that they're also human. Um, you know, the other day I had the privilege of meeting David Seymour, which is, you know, perhaps one of the more controversial and uh, scrutinized politicians when it comes to the youth space. Um, but he was a lovely man. And, you know, he provided some awesome discussion. We had a good chat and um, he's nothing like you see on social media. And, you know, I was only in the room for him talking with him for about 30 minutes, I guess. But, um, and that may not have been an accurate representation of what he is all the time. But I think it just goes to show that the youth space can be, you know, it can be used to empower rangatahi and it can be used to incite hope. And it's an awesome place to share ideas, but it's also, you got to remember that it's can be sometimes quite biased and that the ideas floating around, you know, they have good intention in all cases. Yeah. In most cases the, you know, they've got good intention at heart, but it's interesting to see how kind of things switch up, you know, when you meet people who are making the big decisions face to face and they, they seem like, you know, your neighbor or someone you'd see on the street. And it's, it's so crazy because of a perspective, you know, everybody thinks they're doing the right thing. 
everybody, you know, mm -hmm. whether you're, you're a good person or a bad person, well, sorry, bad, I rephrase that, everyone thinks what they're doing is for the betterment of whatever, because it's their worldview, right? And it's, and unless you disrupt that worldview, you know, I think I keep, I'm doing the right thing, but unless someone says to me, hey, this is not the right thing, I'm never going to know that. And you know, so it's so easy for us to judge and be judged, but actually stop and go, wait a minute, let me look at the whole perspective. And, you know, the way the world is at the moment is it's super binary. It's either mm. black or white or one and zero. And unfortunately, the world doesn't live like that there. Um, yeah, so it's really it's really interesting that, that you've said, hey, you met for people out of New Zealand who don't know who David Seymour is. He's one of our, he's a politician, says some controversial things. Some people love him, some people don't like him, and that's fine, whatever. But um, he's, he's portrayed as a, as a different kind of person as to, like you said, what he could be in person. But, you know, everyone is different, right? Everybody is different. Um, but I'm, I'm going to change tactics a little bit, Kaita. I'm going to talk about, um, you're obviously a young person doing some pretty cool things. Um, let's talk about your family and your family's um, involvement in this year, because this doesn't just happen. Like, this doesn't just happen. Um, what has been your family? How have they nurtured and helped you become this young, young person that's, you know, out there doing these really cool things here? Mm, um, so my mom is from Japan originally, and my dad is from Germany. So as you could probably tell, I grew up in a pretty strict household. Um, I'm pretty grateful for that, though, because I've learned, you know, to be disciplined and to work hard. And I think it's more indirectly the values, you know, they've taught me um, than the support, which is super valuable because I've been able to apply that to whatever I do. And I think it's probably just the, I think the element of discipline, which has, you know, benefited me the most. Yeah, and I guess also the, um, the, the the advantage you have of all the different cultures, you know, the Japanese mm. culture, the German culture, living in New Zealand with, with its crazy culture there, which you can, you know, like I said before, you take what you want and you make it, you make it what you want, you know, your, your own flavor. Um, talking about flavor and taking what you want, you've also... You're also a volunteer. Let's talk about your, your SVA work, you know, because volunteering is not is something that's pretty big in New Zealand, but some people do it just because they want to collect the hours. Um, what is your motivation to become a volunteer? That's and a very interesting. Yeah. 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 So um, this year I was a volunteer and ambassador for the Student Volunteer Army, which is a kind of a service award similar to the Duke of Edinburgh. Um, they're awesome. I think one of my motivation to join is just to help people out. And that's, you know, what I enjoy doing is just giving back to a community. And I think it's as simple as that, you know, um, I've gained so much from other people and I've gained so much support. So just giving that back to those who are vulnerable and those who may have not had the, um, you know, the lucky situations I have or the opportunities and experiences that I've been able to experience. So just really giving back. But um, it's interesting that you say, you know, some people's motivation is the hours and stuff. And that's a, that's a conversation that, you know, I've had with many people this year. Um, and if you didn't know, SVA has um, different badges. So, you know, if you get 50 hours, you'll get a different badge, 200 hours, a different badge. And um, it's kind of linked into this discussion I've been having with my principal all year. And it's about leadership and, you know, tokenism. And we're talking about badges, you know, you see private schools and they have all these badges lined up. They probably would sink in a river, you know, you drop them in. But um, all about how, what represents leadership and does having all these badges mean you're a good leader or does it just mean you're being recognized or you want to be recognized as a leader? Um, and 
what do you find of value in leadership? You know, are you just doing all these things full of badges? Um, and I guess probably looking at myself in year nine, yeah, I would have been doing it for the badges. So I think any person who hasn't uh, been able to have these conversations with people about what leadership is does inherently recognize that, you know, I do the hours, I get this badge and I get rewarded. But I'm um, looking at myself and my journey and coming to where I am now. I don't find any value in the badges. Um, it's it's For me, it serves as a reminder of all the people I've been able to help and kind of um, the places I've been privileged enough to volunteer um, in. So I guess that's what badges represent for me. But in a tokenistic sense, I think we even had the conversation this year of removing badges from our school. We're a public school, so we don't really have too many badges. But, you know, for the ones we have, it's um, it's all about tokenism, I guess, and what that badge represents. But, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, right? Because, you know, as you said, in your, in your own journey as a year nine, the badge was the incentive. But as you start doing mm -hmm. the, the badge disappears and you go, if there was no badge, would you have done it as year nine? I mean, there's no right wrong answer, right? So yeah. we go, for, for, for some of us, we have a material output that we'd like to see. But as we start our journey, the material output becomes, you forget about it because it becomes more about the act that you're doing. Um, mm -hmm. which I mean, we're all human. We all love material validation. It's, you know, we'd like, we didn't like that there. But the change happens when that, that disappears. That doesn't become the main focus, but the actual act of whatever you do is, so, you know, there's no right or wrong, right? You know, it could start as a tokenism and it could end up being amazing. And even like you said, though, Kaita, even if it's one person that, that changes, if you've, impact is, is massive. And talk about massive impact, um, Tana, you've been involved in volunteering quite a bit as well. Let's talk about that there because the <clears throat> universe is a whole different ball game. Yeah, it's oh. been yeah, it's been an interesting journey and a journey throughout my whole university time. Um, yeah, it started off as just an interest of, I guess, you know, giving something a go without the pressure of, you know, having to commit like you do with a job or something like that, but also a chance to try different things that I wouldn't necessarily get an open door into. And so, you know, it started off that way, but then I learned pretty quickly that I just liked giving back to people um, similar to Kaita. And I think, yeah, it's a big learning curve when you're doing things, yeah, because you want to do them opposed to feeling you have to do it. And it's, yeah, it's rewarding. There's not, um, you know, we've discussed before that, you know, there's going to be some things that you don't enjoy throughout your volunteering career. There's going to be things that, you know, sound cool, but you go to do it and you realize it's the idea is better than, you know, the actual event or whatever that you, you dedicate your time to. But I think learning the, those, you know, it gives you other invaluable values that you, you know, you necessarily wouldn't have gained in any other atmosphere. And I think the other challenge, which I was reminded this year, you know, going into more of a leadership role through the social impact studio was talking around males specifically and how, you know, when we, particularly when we get into the university space and beyond, we tend to see that there's a lot more females in the volunteering space compared to males. And so, talking about some of those barriers and, you know, how can we break those barriers? What are the barriers? And, you know, do we even know what the barriers are? And I guess it's, you know, if I ask the same question to Kaita, it's probably a difficult one to answer because we're in the volunteering space. So obviously there's been something for us that, you know, we've acknowledged allows us to go into these spaces where some people, yeah, there's sometimes there's just not an interest, you know, there's, 
plenty of possible answers out there, but I guess, you know, I guess it's just a reality when you go into the volunteering space. Yeah, and I guess there's different motivations, right, to get into volunteering. And also you don't know what you don't know. You know, um, I I told a story to um, head up Impact Studio the other day about a person that I was working with this year who's in their th third year and they were just not in a, in a happy space at all, like in a really, really bad space. And I just said to them, hey, go and join unit crew, go and join unit crew. And just by doing that, and that's one the volunteer space, and just by doing that, they gave that person purpose, you know, because sometimes you you get so lost that when you do some volunteering work, you find purpose to doing whatever you want to do, you know. So um, whether it's getting a badge, whether it's helping people, or whether it's just finding that purpose, which you don't know you need. Um, like I said, Tana, there's no way of knowing and there's no right or wrong answer, you know. So um, it's, it's a very complicated, you know, like I said before, there's no right or wrong in anything. This mm -hmm. life, we go with ones and zeros all, all our lives, but, you know, sorry, not all our lives. All our lives, we go through gray and then we come to a stage where things become one and zero, which is pretty crazy, pretty, pretty crazy. Any thoughts about that, Kaita? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing I've taken away this year is that leadership isn't 100% selfless as humans you know we crave attention we um we crave gratitude you know we want to be recognized and there's nothing wrong with that if we're not giving ourselves you know um gratification for doing good things you know we're going to become lost so I think there's no harm in rewarding yourself um especially for you know younger years who may not have had these conversations about what leadership means to them yet badges are an awesome incentive and I think, you know, it's worked so far. So, you know, you don't have to be 100% selfless as a leader. Um, I think, in fact, if you are, you're probably going to burn out at some point very quickly. So, yeah, just recognizing that humans are humans. And that's right, you know, um, sometimes we live in a world where um, being selfish is a bad thing, but it's actually not a bad thing. You know, sometimes you have to be selfish to look after yourself. As Tana said before, mm -hmm. your health, your health, you look after yourself because you're being selfless, everybody loses out. So, you know, I love the way you put that there, you know, um, it's okay not to be selfless all the time as a leader as well. And we are humans, let's be honest, everyone loves to be acknowledged in some way, even though we might go, oh, it doesn't matter. Somewhere inside of us inherently <laughs> acknowledgement exists, you know, we all love that thing, you know, whether it's a thank you very much or it's a badge or whether it's a celebration, it just makes us feel good or validates us in whatever way. Because we all of us live in a world where there's some sort of imposter syndrome going on imposter state going on you know um the other thing i want to talk about is another experience that you had kaita this is as i think was really really awesome because i think there's a lot you can share here with us is your um your visit to the uk um for the london youth innovation science forum what is that like for you and again one of three to get invited to go along there so first of all let's talk about being the one of three and then we'll talk about the, the experience what is that like for you as a young person being hey you are, it's three of you that are going, you're one of them. Um, I think you could say imposter syndrome. Yep. Um, I don't think, well, naturally I've never been the smartest, you know, in terms of critical thinking on the spot, but I do know how to put effort in. And I think that's how I worked my way up and I applied. Um, it was a real shot in the dark, you know, I journaled in my book a few days before, you know, I went for this. Um, massive shot in the dark there I think thousands of people who applied for it and um I happened to be picked so it was just a testament to you know may as well give anything a try you never know and it you know couldn't be more of a true example of um that saying so it was awesome um 
quite life-changing. It was a week uh, overseas. Oh, sorry, two weeks. Already forgotten. Um, two weeks overseas. Um, one week of travel, which was awful, but getting there was amazing. Um, we got to meet world-leading scientists, which was absolutely incredible for someone who's interested in science to be able to, you know, come face to face with those who are making the new cancer drugs. You know, running the world's biggest nuclear reactors and all sorts of things. So. Absolutely um, mind blowing, also life changing to be able to do it with people all around the world. You know, people from Singapore, people from Sweden, from um, the UK, just a whole bunch of people who are interested in the same thing, and to be able to go around and learn so much. Yeah, life changing. Like, and you know, uh, how many people were there? Yeah, you know, from around the world. Was it you know, 10, 20, 30, or can you, was it how many people? Yeah, so it was, uh, I think it was 180. Wow, amazing. So, oh no, no. Let me have a think. Oh no, I think 200 ish and okay. 118 nations. Wow, amazing. So, yeah. That's so, the whole people world, from yeah. all around the world. Yeah. Um, amazing. It was super interesting. You know, you'd walk down the street and you'd see a girl from Saudi with her bodyguard because she's, you know, a princess. And, or, you know, you'll walk down and you'll come out of your hotel room and there'll be your, um, teammate and he's from Kenya and you know he's only come on a scholarship and he has one change of clothes so it was a wide variety of people um from all over the world and you know due to scholarships people from all types of backgrounds were able to attend so it was you know eye-opening to see you know some countries they didn't even have a science institute because their government was so corrupt so pretty interesting stuff yeah and I think it's moments like that that you realize hey um we're all very different, but one of the unifiers is education. You know, education is pretty powerful, um, no matter where you are in the world, if you have those opportunities, which is really, it's quite surreal to think about it when you live in a country where um, education is taken for granted. You know, you wake up in the morning, you know you're going to go to school, or you have the choice of going to school. You go to 16, you're like, I can go to school if I want to, or not go to school. You know, it's, it's pretty crazy. Not saying that either way is the right way, whereas in some countries, you know, um, education is a, is a privilege. Know, to get to school um, for a young female in some countries, it, you know, you're a female, you can't study. Pretty crazy, right? Whereas here we don't have to worry about that, which is um, we're very lucky where we are at the moment. Um, one of the things I read on your little blurb was the going to one of the hottest places in or hottest nuclear reactor. What is that like? It's, what is the nuclear? What is that? The hottest nuclear reactor? Or oh, I can't. You could. You yeah. can correct me. You, you can correct me on that. <laughs> oh, so hottest place in the uh, solar system. When it's oh, wow. turned on. Crazy. So I think if I remember it was 150 times hotter than the sun when wow. turned on. Um, what, was like? what, what was that like for you? Were you I was pretty cold. It was pretty cold to be honest. <laughs> uh, they should have turned the heating off. But, yeah, um, like, come on, guys. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. So um it was at Oxford University and um they call it a topamac. So it looks like a donut, kind of the inside of a donut. What they do is they heat up plasma which is um so they heat up gas to make plasma and it spins around so so fast um and yeah that's what creates the energy they can vent that out and use the steam to run a turbine but wow. yeah to be honest i think the only thing i was thinking there was humans have harnessed something 150 times hotter than the sun which is amazing to think about which that, is crazy. you know yeah Mind blowing, yeah. mind blowing. Yeah, we'll have a great barbecue there. It'll be great. Two minutes in, done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
what are some of the, the crazy fun things that you got up to while you're over there? If you if you want to share some of that there, apart from all the educational stuff, what are some stuff that you're like, hey, as a young person, this is really cool? Yeah, I guess um, whew, probably just catching the tube at night. Yeah. You know, walking around town, seeing the lights, that was amazing. Um, you know, playing a game of football in the park, Hyde Park, um, with some strangers, which was so cool. Maybe like going for a swim at three in the morning in Hyde Park. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, there is nothing questions because you know, we are all humans. You know, we all we all mm. we all have this expectation where we should always be at a high level of education or just all go go go. But actually, hey, having fun is still important as well. You know, having fun is important. And Tana, you had some fun yesterday. Let's talk about that day. You were in Blenheim. You had some fun. Yeah, yeah. Went to my niece's first ever gymnastics competition, which was cool to, you know, go and see and go and get involved. And then went to uh, fireworks uh, display, which was, yeah, pretty cool. Um, the school fundraiser as well, which is always good to, you know, get behind and get amongst. And I think, you know, particularly for Blenheim, which is a smaller community, in New Zealand, you know, it's cool to see, you know, having something like that where you really do get that sense of community, you know, whereas some of those bigger communities, you know, you have a community event, but it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel quite the same as, you know, when it really is a small community that everyone kind of gets behind. Um, yeah, which is cool to see. And I guess cool to be a part of, you know, it's creating those memories that, you know, as you say, when you go, 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 you kind of forget to, yeah, just, just slow the pace down a bit. Yeah, and that's, and that's it's a good way to, to remind ourselves that, hey, you know, sometimes it's good to laugh at ourselves or laugh with others. Laugh with, not laugh at. Yeah, keep it. Unless they're, unless they're a comedian, there's a different story. Okay. Um, Tyler, you know, you, you, you cover so much here. And if, if we were going to, I mean, as an 18-year-old or almost 18, if we were to distill down a few things, what, are, what three things would you say are your passion at this point in time or things that just get you fired up? I'm going to stick to three because I know there could be tons there. And, and, yeah. and mindfully, mindfully, these can change. You know, these will change as you as you grow. But at this point in time, as you go into your next step of your the journey of your chapter, I guess, your life. Um, I think first one, impact. You know, whatever I end up, no matter where that is, just making a positive influence on communities, on, you know, other people's lives on the individual communal or maybe even national level just contributing um and knowing you're doing something good i think that's that's my purpose you know no matter where i end up no matter what job i'm doing as long as i'm making an impact so that's number one um number two is just more of an interest science um no matter what i do i think that's how i want to make the impact and number three is just have fun you know not try too hard um not get caught up in stuff just know we're on a floating rock in the middle of space so just you know don't get too angry over stuff don't stress yeah it's pretty crazy right you know i love those days those are really, really interesting things and you know they might stay the same as you go forward because they're so so broad that they mm. can they can be anything that that's you know impact science and having fun i mean if that changes culture then i can't talk to you anymore you gotta have fun <laughs> yeah whether you are 18 or 99 it's good you gotta have some fun um Kyra, we've been speaking for almost um, 50 minutes now, and you know there's so much we can go into. Um, any questions for us before we ask you some of these final questions that we love? Yeah, I was wondering, perhaps, um, is there a theme you see um, between the people that you interview? 
yeah, little that we speak to, I mean, I will tell you what, what I've noticed over the, the last 90 odd episodes that we've had on is, um, and something you mentioned at the start is um, opportunities, you know, um, and taking opportunities where they are, you know, we have had every single one of our guests has mentioned that they found an opportunity in something and they haven't, and they've just given themselves a go. You know, uh, some of our guests or some people have said, um, someone has said no to them, so they just closed the door. Whereas others have told us that, hey, you know, they have someone have said no to them, but they just took on the opportunity. They didn't say no to anything. When someone came in front of them, they just said, yes, we're going to give it a crack or we're going to apply for things. Even if we are, you know, 53 or 63 or 16 or 12, you know, we're going to just apply and see what happens because there's no, I think the worst that could happen is someone says no to you. And I think that's really quite heartening for myself um, on this podcast with myself as a person and also in my role. You know, when I work with young people, I always speak about opportunities and um, you know, not getting bogged down by titles and labels, you know, in the space that I work in with, oh, I wanted a double degree or a double major. I was like, who cares about that? Don't even care about that. Let's just focus on the opportunities of what, you know, what are you interested in? What's, what's the fun stuff? All those labels will come later on. And I said that as well in my coaching practice as well. So that's been the big theme for me. Tane, do you want to share your themes? Your... Yeah, I think for me, probably the biggest learning has been that everyone has a story, but I think sometimes they forget they have their own story and they forget to reflect on the journey and the amazing things that they've been able to do. You know, And I think this has been a really cool thing for us to get to learn about so many people, but also for people to take a step back and go oh actually I've done some pretty cool things yes I've you know made some mistakes along the way it hasn't all been you know sunshine and rainbows but I've got all these amazing things and that's what makes me me and I think yeah as I say I think people too often forget about that because we're either so go 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 or you know when we catch up with people it's always small talk and never the deep conversations and I think yeah as I say this is hopefully a platform for people you know to realize that yeah everyone has a story and that you know sometimes it is good to reflect on some of those bigger things that you do achieve because I think otherwise you you lose sense of you know the things you're doing day to day and what it's actually contributing towards yeah I think that's right because sometimes we we are so busy living our norm that we forget our norm is not everybody's norm yeah, great, great question there, Kaida. You're getting us thinking on our own podcast. What? How dare you do that? How dare you do that? <laughs> sorry. No, never be sorry. Never be sorry. You took the opportunity, which is great. Um, so our last question, as we start to wrap up, we might have a few more, but as we start to wrap up, you know, um, our podcast is called Baskets of Knowledge. And every week we invite our guests to share a piece of knowledge that myself, Tane, and our guests could put into our basket of knowledge as we go forward. So Kaita, feel free to share a piece of knowledge to put into our basket. Can we find anything that you'd like? Um, probably, I guess since kind of initiative and everything, you know, giving everything a go has been something that's turned up quite a lot. I probably will go with the opposite, which might be um be aware. Yeah. I think that that serves as a um that serves as many meanings, but it's almost as kind of be spatially aware of your surroundings. Um I guess it's hard to describe, but the way I've kind of made myself work towards that goal is journaling. And that's something important, you know. I always thought of it as some, you know, cringy dear diary, something like that. But um, for me, that's just whenever I hear something someone says, which is, you know, really impactful. Um, 
whether I hear something online, whether I read something, I just journal that in. Um, or kind of like journal my journey based on what I'm feeling. And I guess all of that kind of comes under be aware. And the purpose of that for me is just to, um, you know, understand when are you kind of riddling yourself up, you know, when you spiraling down, when you're getting angry, when you shouldn't be, um, you know, what habits do you have, which aren't too good. So just, I guess, being aware of kind of who you are and where you want to go and um, where you want to end up, I guess. Yeah. Love that, you know, um, and I think that circles really back nicely to what Tani said about taking time to reflect, but, you know, being aware, you know, being aware, especially being aware physically, emotionally, being aware of your thoughts. And those, that's very important because we a lot of us don't do that there, right? We just keep going the whole time. Or it goes back to what you said before. If we think about, hey, I've got to be aware I'm not being selfish, but actually that's being selfless for yourself, right? So it's really beautiful. Yes. Yeah, be aware. What a what a great piece of knowledge to put into our basket there. Fantastic. Um, any last words, Kaita or Tane? Not at the moment. No, no, beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you for jumping on Kaita. You know, no um, we've, heard, we've heard so much about all the all the awesomeness that you've done. You know, but the key thing that's come across is just um, what a beautiful human you are. You know, just your 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 presence is fantastic, and whatever you end up doing next, I know there's going to be an impact in the science world where you're going to have lots of fun. So beautiful. Um, to our listeners out there, hopefully you have enjoyed listening to this episode tonight, so today or this afternoon, wherever you are in the world. If you have not learned anything, go back and listen again because you haven't been listening properly. Um, Till next time, don't forget to put something into your past knowledge. And Kaita, thank you very much for jumping on again. Thank um, you. Till next time, Kakite, take care. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Baskets of Knowledge. Yeah, we hope that you found something useful to put into your basket of knowledge. And as we said before, remember to put something little into your baskets of knowledge every week. And as always, feel free to like, comment, and share this podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye.